Hey guys, welcome back to Mantalk.ke. Thank you for coming back and thank you for all the love on social media. We read every comment and you've been really enjoying the last episodes. Um, so today we are in a different location, but we have a special guest that we're going to talk about. I think a variety of topics. We're going to touch on how we met. We're going to touch on what he does and we're going to give you some value while we're doing that. So strap in. And, uh, oh, do you want to give him the first, uh, the intro? Yes, I please. Um, drum roll? You know, this is my favorite part, like where I lean into the microphone oh, and talk to you deeply <laughs> oh, in my God. sonorous voice oh, as I introduce Antonio Soul. Wait, you know, the drum roll goes before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what happened? Yeah, listen, no, guys, I feel like we're even too used to each other. Yeah. <laughs> Antonio Soul is a musician. Mm-hmm. He is a journalist. Mm-hmm. He is a songwriter. Mm-hmm. He is a hit maker. Mm-hmm. He's a host. Mm-hmm. He's an MC. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, boys and girls, girls and boys, this man is a ladies' man. He's the smoothest man I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, following his hit song, Chips Punga. <laughs> He's living to the message. <laughs> so, man, welcome to Man Talk, Antonio, man. It's big, it's big having you here, Antonio. Thank, You're thank you so much for having me, man. I, I'm the presence of greatness. Hey. It's finally happening, yo. Hey. So, let me just, when we say everyone, everyone, like, you guys have fans. Like, ladies who meet these guys, like, oh my God, there's a man from, from Kenya. Hey. <laughs> like, I, I'm their producer. <laughs> I know them. <laughs> yeah. So, in case you're wondering where that story came from, we met Anto. Uh, two, a week ago, two weeks ago, yeah, on a trip in SA. Yeah. And then after the vibes we caught, we said, we have to bring you on here. Yeah. And you can give us, as much as knowledge, just some good stories. Mm. Well, give a little quick recap. Yeah. And then just vibe. Yeah, just that, vibe. That's like, basically yeah. the idea. Yeah. A, a, like, yeah. a light episode. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like the thing is, the thing the thing I really like liked most about Anto was like from the jump, like yeah. his energy like remained <laughs> consistent. I don't know how he did Like it. from the moment we arrived at or, or it was Oatambo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the moment we arrived at Oatambo and then like there were two women arguing. <laughs> two women. Two ladies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Just tell the story, man. Like, so, you know. What happened? So, we were queuing. We were supposed to get our, our visa stamped. Yeah. And then, me, I'm next. So, I walk up to my place. I obviously sat be nice in immigration. But your brain is like, don't be too nice. They'll think you're yeah. carrying something. So, yeah. Yeah, like, let me chill. So, lady next to me, she's getting her visa stamped. And the lady asks her, what are you coming to do here? The lady's <laughs> like, See, it's a conference. <laughs> First thing, I was, so immediately, I was like, ah, I have to get my stamp quickly so I can yeah. follow the lady. Yeah. So I follow, I'm like, excuse me, are you Kenyan? She's like, hey, I'm like, that's C. That that's the one for me. Yeah. Before I realize, I look like I have a, a, a mama's because I'm busy working with some lady who you guys don't know. Yeah. And then I have to explain myself, oh, that lady, I was following her because I was like, yeah, mantra, yeah. viva. Yeah. <laughs> don't let people carry you, they want to carry you. Yeah. I, I think by this time, you guys are like, yo, this guy. Yeah, this guy's energy. Yeah, because you came yeah. up to me and told me that story and I was like, that's so strange. Yeah. Because like, the women at the airport were like Zulu women. And it's so crazy because this is the first African country I've been to yeah. outside of Kenya. Mm. And like, it was like, I feel like the same energy. You know that thing where they're, they're just talking about something mm-hmm. then some woman is here telling them, eh? And where are you going? And where are you going? Uh, and where are you going? Uh, like, why are you, why are you trying to spoil my vibes? My vibes? Yeah. And then I'm told he's like, I'm ready. I'm here <laughs> yeah. for all the drama. Man. I get, but obviously I was with the Kenyan. But yeah. you want to be too obvious. <laughs> yeah. Before I'm asked, where are you going? Where are you going? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, to, I, I don't know. It's, it's just a, it's a Kenyan thing because the lady had like gray hair. So naturally for us, you, you just respect you someone. Say, yeah. You don't go too you much. Their face, but then yeah. it's immigration, I understand. Mm. But the Kenyan lady was not having it, yeah. Like, yeah, even me, I'm with you, yeah, yeah. But it was so yeah. crazy, like just being in an African country that's I feel like 
light years, like a few like ten years ahead of yeah, us. You know, that's what, where yeah, that's I, what it felt like. I, I honestly, I think people talk about it a lot, but South Africans are way ahead of us in with a lot of things. Mm. I, I think the biggest for me is order. They're very orderly. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, when yeah. we came back, when we were coming back, yeah. I mean, one of the things we liked was the fact that they don't check your, they don't do the body check before you check into the into your plane. It yeah. just doesn't make any sense. sense yeah. Yeah. First, give out give out your bags and everything, and then get checked. Yeah, it actually helps you to save time. Mm. While here in Kenya, you get checked 19 times before you even board the plane. Mm. Uh, before mm. the plane, by the time you board the plane, you can't board the plane because you've been late. Yeah. So yeah. there's certain things that are quite orderly. Things like traffic lights. They call them robots. robots. Yeah. People follow that stuff to the latter, and then there are no border borders. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. No. So remember when we were on the uh, on the tour, the guy was saying that these are suggestions that the yeah. traffic lights are suggestions. But even with that, they still follow it, even yeah. though it's not like no, that. No, he said in Soweto. In Soweto. Oh, specifically in Soweto. Because oh. you know that's like the. What's, what's what I like telling you? The borrow. So you yeah, know, the borrow. The borrow. So it's just <laughs> man it's said just, borrow. Yeah, so you borrow, <laughs> like alone. Borrow. But but anywhere else, guys. Off. Because when we were late, when we were coming back to the yeah. to the when we were coming back to Nairobi, yeah. we're like, why can't this guy jump the lights? Yeah, mm. he's not. Mm. He won't do it. Yeah, so, no chance. And me, I'm like, why? No chance. Yeah. He will not do it. So I mean, there's a certain level of order you see, and you see a lot of things. You see it um in commerce. You see it in the creative industry. You know, you see it in the mining industry. Mm. That's the reason why Johannesburg is Johannesburg mm. uh, because of mining. So there's a lot of things that you you sort of sense and feel that order in a lot of places that you go to that you sort of people here take for granted. People mm. just mm. Uh, like vibes and shala here. Yeah, yeah. But like, did you especially um, now like talking about like what we experienced thanks to Spotify and like the event and anything? Because um, you are like at the forefront mm. a lot and meeting a lot of uh, people in your industry, which is media and music. Did you experience a conversation or a person that like made you like shift your mindset towards like what the possibilities are for like media in Africa? Yeah. Were there any conversations you had with people that you felt like were super valuable? Yeah, I met a couple of people who there's a lady from Ziki Media that I met, and I mean it was quite just from them seeing our interactions and how much fun we're having. You know, I saw people there who want to meet you after. They want to have conversations with you mm. and talk about how can we, what value can we get in our uh, media company in in what based on what you do in Nairobi from TV and radio. Um, so those two ladies that I met, one is called Pal, the other one is called Ria, and we had a really lengthy conversation around South African uh, music industry and sort of them trying to plug themselves in the um, a piano industry that is obviously clearly quite big, but mm-hmm. wanting to perform in East Africa mm-hmm. and how we can make those two uh, sort of regions work hand in hand mm-hmm. and even small things like how can we break barriers for you in South Africa. So that's one of the things that you realize with them is that they're very keen on what value can we bring into your industry and what mm. value, and they want to know you. Mm. So for me, the conversation is not even necessarily around the Kenyan media industry, but it's around what is it about you? Mm. We just want to know you first. And then we, because I remember asking, I remember us having a conversation. We spoke for so long um, at this place called Tasha's. And then, and then I, like, you know, being a Kenyan, I was like, I want to know why do they want to meet me? So right, yeah. Why do they, and then they're like, yeah, we just wanted to, to know you. Mm. We want to know you first. And then we can know. And by the time they're like, oh, so we want to work with you on a project and we want to see if we can work with some essay artists and from a media perspective, we want to work with you in terms of PR in Kenya. So it's a thing that I realize I'm quite big on, which is getting to know people fast 
and then understanding what value do they bring for you. While I feel here, it's always like, who do you know fast? Yeah. Not yeah. what value do they bring to yeah. you fast? It's, it's, I know Eli, um, I'll give him the job to be in charge of our media, head of our media at Semabox. Not necessarily because they have the experience, just because I know them. While there it's, do you have experience? Uh-huh, and then you did what? And you know, and they meet, but I'm, and they've Googled you, but they just want to hear from your mouth, from the horse's mouth. So I found that quite interesting. And then they're very big on information. The thing about the media industry here in Kenya is that we, we are media industry, a lot of people in the media industry or people in the communications industry don't even know how to communicate. <laughs> so you find small things like, kindly refer to the email that I sent you 99 days ago. Yeah. Because people just are not good with communication here. Whether it's from a following up sort of thing, whether it's just from a pr- approach sort of thing, or even it's from a presentation point of view, people just are not good at doing it. Well, there, they are quite big on it. Like, they take it very seriously. So they give out information. They will tell you, oh, like the guy you saw me posting called Leo. He's a 25-year-old guy who runs a media company. And he was busy trying to introduce me to Kulichana. By the time I met Kulichana, he was so shocked that I interviewed Kulichana in 2015. He wants to keep that you know, sort of conversation going constantly. Who can you meet? I want to introduce this guy. I want you to, you know, there's this lady that I'm working with. There's a lady called Google Late who's a podcaster. She's in Nairobi. When she comes back, how can you guys meet? So a lot of that yeah. opening doors and, inf- and, and giving information without necessarily wanting to know who you are, where you schooled, da 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 yeah. Even the lady that I, I think you guys saw me uh, posting, um, I met her at the Johannesburg Country Club. Um, I don't want to go into specifics about what her husband does, but she is a filmmaker from Kenya who's there. And she was very clear that, you know, there's small things like artist visa. I didn't know you could get an artist visa in SA. Yeah. So they're big on information and passing along information. And I think for me that that makes you feel like the hard work and the yeah. things you've gone through, the hurdles you've gone through in Kenya can clearly pay off. If I was in SA, I'd be way farther <laughs> than I am yeah, here. Yeah. With, that, with that in mind, we always say like, exposure to new cultures, new people is one of the most valuable things you can do. So having gone there and some people in Kenya are like, okay, so you've seen all of that. What can we do in our industry? What can we implement like based on the lessons you learned there to help us maybe get to the level that Johannesburg is that, you know, SA is in general, because like you said, in terms of the industry, they're much further ahead. So what's like a tangible lesson that you think people should be able to take from your trip? I think diversity and inclusivity is is quite key there. Mm. I mean, the idea that, that people can, exist in a in a very in in isms people mm. can exist in very different you know scenarios you could be a soul singer and sort of have your cake you could be a rapper and have your cake and, and it's a thing that we sort of struggle with in kenya we're very big on trends and and one thing being the thing at the moment mm. that we sort of forget other niche other niche sort of artists and and ideas and people that are actually out there so that they're quite big on whoever and whatever you bring on the table, we will identify and we'll work with it and we'll put it out there. Look at the performances of the night, for example, from Kamon Pella uh, to Nasty C, okay, my wife. to Daban Gogo. Kamon Pella, your wife. Your wife. Kamo, yeah. Just Kamo so, Pella, just so your clear. wife. Yeah. <laughs> just, you guys yeah. go with Kamon Pella. K-A-M-O M-P-H-E-L-A. You'll understand why they're saying they're fighting. Uh, uh, uh. So that people can exist, you know, yeah. having yeah. I, I, uh, differences in ideas, 
differences in identities, differences in in just the way that they present themselves. So that really makes you sort of understand that, yeah, people can actually exist. And I think it's a thing here. People are quite big on a trend. Everybody should go with a trend and then everybody else should be pushed at the back. So I think that's a huge issue that we have here. But people should just be able to exist, period. Whether you like bongo, you like hip-hop, you like rap, you like all that. Yeah. You know, the idea that of what's Kenyan enough, that shouldn't be the conversation. You're already born here, so that's enough. What should be important is what you bring on the table, not are you part of the new thing that everybody wants to be a part of? Yeah. And if you're not, we don't want to be part of you. Yeah. If you're not talking the newest language, if you're not looking like everybody else in the room, well, you're not trendy enough for now. That that's Yo, the thing. That's such a deep Being thing. Be yourself should be trendy. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. That's such a deep thing. Because I met uh, Dales and, and, and I'm big on hip-hop. Yeah. Um, and I've been listening to South African hip-hop for a while, the AKAs, the Dales. Like, these guys, like, really push the envelope towards the 2010s when it comes to, like, hip-hop in Africa. Yeah, yeah. And, like, when I met Dales, it was like, bro, like, you have pink hair and you're wearing a Kurt Cobain shirt. Like, yeah. what? Like, yeah. you know, it was so crazy to me that, you know, in Africa, one of the problems that we are having, especially, like, I've noticed in the hip-hop industry, is we are trying so much to be, like, super localized yeah. that we constrain our artists to, like, express themselves in the way that they understand. Like, exactly, yeah. If you listen to, like, um, like, there's a song, it actually exists, like with Kabum Fela and yeah. Dales. Yeah. And they like fuse hip hop and I'm a piano. Yeah. And Dales does it in his way. Exactly. The way that I grew up like yeah. listening to yeah. it. And yeah. I'm listening to Kamu's new I'm a piano sound. And like you see, they came up with this new sa- song. It's called Elon Musk. It's it's like this new nice sound that I really heard. I was like, wow. I mean, that's just a fusion of yeah. cultures. Yeah. And really showed like, um, it really showed like what Africa can be if we are more understanding and more inclusive. Yeah. And, and I was very, like, touched. Obviously, um, Narcissi is another big um, hip-hop icon. The, the guy is 23, but his demeanor is over, like, 35. Yeah. yeah. That would, yeah. like, calm, yeah. icy. Even his bars are very, like, New York. Mature, like, he sounds... Yeah. He sounds International. Like a, yeah, he sounds mm. very... And that's the thing yeah. with, with South Africans, whether it's from the fashion perspective, whether it's the event that we went to, is that they, they sort of themselves like listen we don't have to go to new york for this launch yeah we can bring new york here yeah. mm. but our people are good enough for new york exactly yeah. that's, that's what it. you yeah. feel about that's them like is well for kenya it's the other way around it's like you're not good enough even for here so how would you even go to New York? <laughs> you're constantly being reminded how, no, 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 you don't, you're not enough. Okay. But for them, it's, you're so enough to a point where you, the way they carry themselves, so even young people, I mean, when you see them dancing in the streets, when you go to the club, when you see waiters, did you guys see waiters dancing when was having yeah. us? Yeah. They are constantly reminded, imagine you're good. You're you, okay. you don't have to feel like a Tisijui, you're a waiter. Yeah. There's no, there's, there's a lot no of limits. dignity. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot yeah. of dignity. There's, there, there's a lot of dignity in their Africanness, exactly. in like their blackness. Yeah. And you know the the, the funny thing is they fought. I feel like mm. I can say this. South Africa probably fought hardest than most people in Africa. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Than most countries in Africa yeah. for their independence. They, yeah. they got theirs in 1994. Yeah. yeah the end yeah. of apartheid. Yeah. yeah. While the rest of us have literally been experiencing our freedom as Africans, mm. they have more reason to celebrate it. Even when we. Mm. It was just so insane to me. Even the person I met, we met we were on this panel with her name was Zoe. Um, Zoe is actually, she says she's an upcoming artist. This girl was singing the opening scene of Savage Africa. Mm. Like I watched yeah. Savage Beauty, sorry, Savage yeah. Beauty on, um, mm. online. And, and like when I watched that Savage Beauty episode, I was like, wait, this, this chick, yeah. we were on the panel together. Yeah. She's singing that. Yeah. The mm. production quality is in the sky. Yeah. This guy is that, the mm. humility, the way 
South Africans carry themselves. It was it was just something else. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, it, something was else. it was interesting how they they they've been made to believe and and they really do carry that there's no one better than us. Yeah. And it's not on your face like what are you doing here? Yeah. No, it's more of like I know I am. I, I know I'm best. that. I am that yeah. guy. Me, yeah. I'm dope. I don't know yeah. what you're telling me, but me, I'm dope. And you can see that they cut themselves, the way they behave, the way they talk, the way they their swagger, yeah. everything. And you can imagine young kids growing up seeing that. Yeah. Constantly. It's the only thing you're gonna turn into, right? Exactly. Yeah. So we keep beating our kids because when our kids are brought up, <laughs> they are constantly being reminded, no, 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 you're too loud. Mm. No, don't do that. Mm. Do we don't do that here? Mm. Nah, that's not. Kenyan enough so well them they're like be, just be you do your thing, mm. your thing it's, it's yeah. even funny a friend of mine she's called Fatu she's a makeup artist one of the things she tells me that she loves about South African women is how even from an image perspective that South African women are the, most of them are you know they're quite big they're quite boisterous and they they're quite voluptuous and they revel they love it mm. yeah so they, she, yeah. She, she she was going, like she kept saying I wish I was going to say she kept saying, I wish I was nice. And I'm like, why? Because they are big women don't have to feel like you have to be smaller yeah. to uh, be appreciated. You could actually be big and show off your arms and feel good. You know, those ladies, you know, African ladies, the ones who make Jahe, mm. you know, with the, <laughs> yeah. you know, with the, that part. You know, it's going to taste good. <laughs> yeah, when you see them in a wedding, mm. you just know, ah, the food is lit. <laughs> 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 food is, the Bokimo is on <laughs> there it's yeah. everyone yeah. And, and that tells you something that if a lady would see that in, in other women yeah, and yeah. she feels that her body image is calmed because everybody there is feels comfortable mm. that tells you something about yeah. the people it was yeah it wasn't even something that was up for debate exactly mm, people yeah. don't feel like you i need to be body shamed about it they're mm. quite okay in it so there's a level of south africanness that is mm. quite different in them to be honest it comes with a lot of these things i want to say here um, but also comes the level of arrogance that most people, if you don't get it, you'd be quite offended. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, we, it, I mean, we roll the punches. Yeah. But let's, sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to go back to something you said, because I think it's something you, you said probably in passing and, but it really like shows the policy of the South African government and how much like they've probably empowered their artists and that's the artist visa. Yeah. Would you talk a little bit about that? Like, yeah, so I was told, um, so there's the artist visa. I mean, when we're speaking to my, with my friend and we're looking at specific ways about how I could probably, you know, immerse myself more in the South African music industry or sort of the industry at large. So they have an artist visa that you could apply as a, as a foreigner yeah. and you could actually get the artist visa that allows you to fly in and fly out and be able to access things like funds or grants that are available for mm. foreigners or probably, you know, sort of take up a master's that would allow you to um, have 20 hours of work. Uh, that would mean that you could actually be able to perform mm. or work in a film company or in an arts company and be able to thrive. So they've created a, sort of an, they've incubated an, an opportunity for, for foreigners and for artists away from South Africa who can be immersed in the music industry to be able to grow. And I don't see that here. And, and the reason why they have that is because they have, they have the structures that are available. They have the funding. They have, you know what I mean? It's not all glitz and glamour, but the opportunities are there for them. But the thing is, most people don't even know about this. Exactly. Most people don't know you could actually apply for a visa to do that. <clears throat> most people know you could apply for a master's and be able to get full scholarship and still be allowed to work 
as an artist in South Africa. So those opportunities are there for people. They just don't know. And like I said, the thing I realize with them is that they give information. Yeah. Yeah. They constantly just throw it on your face. Like, hey, you know, you could do this. You, know, yeah. you could come back. Yeah. Next time apply for this visa. Yeah. Um, you know, I could probably help you to get a grant from this uni or this scholarship from this uni. So those opportunities are there. They yeah. just... We just don't know about yeah. We'll put, we'll put a link yeah. in the yeah. description. Exactly. Like we'll we'll look for at least some exactly. information on that. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that's really important, especially for young guys who are trying to make it as artists or creatives, um, Africa wide. Um, that's something I think that would be of value. Yeah. So let's try and like just share yeah. that information. Yeah. Share that information. I wanna I wanna I wanna analyze what we've just said so far, by the way. So I want to give context to people watching. If you don't know, you don't follow us on socials, we're in South Africa because Spotify invited us and some other creators to celebrate African voices, right? So thank you, Spotify, for that. Now, what I want to say about our experience is something that somebody challenged us on our Instagram Live. Because um, in passing, you reference, you know, this was mentioned in the country club. Like, there's a context we need to offer people. And then I want to give a question to you both, actually, yeah. if you think our um, experience is isolated. So... Because of the, the way we went to South Africa, because of the kind of people we were going with, we found that a lot of the rooms we're in, we were kind of already validated before entering. Yeah. So maybe I'm thinking, as we're telling these stories, that our experience might have been slightly unique just based on the circle that we arrived with. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. I want to ask a question about the lady, your friend that's been in South Africa, yeah. to give context to other people, because not everyone's going to go there with the company that's going to help them out. Yeah. You know, she was saying how networking and information is very free, etc. Was she saying that that's like across the board? Or was she saying when she got to a certain level, she started being offered this information? I think for me, she, the way it came off, it came off like culturally people here are quite mm. sort of open to share with people mm. who are from different um, cultures. I mean, we have the huge issue with immigration and the huge conversation around. Um, and, and it's interesting because when I left, when I was leaving the country club, She's, she was telling me about this show called Gomorrah. Mm. And she was telling me, when you, the, I want you to ask the driver to show you Alexandria and show you Santon. Because there's a certain freeway, there's a certain highway you pass, and you're literally right smack in the middle of mm. the have-nots and the haves. Mm. And it's quite, it's quite clear. And you have, you, we definitely have issues that I feel that are not just, uh, that are universal, but are not homogenous to South mm. Africa. The same issues that we have all over Africa when we deal with with immig- immigrants and immigration, when we deal with, you know, I mean, there's a huge issue with xenophobia as far as South Africa is concerned. Mm. But also, when it comes to our level, and, I, and, I, and, and to be honest, you can't just wake up and leave and go to SA like with a bag and be like, I want to go to SA and the same opportunities until told me that I actually find them. But there's a, there's a, there's also a common denominator here. Mm. And the common denominator here is that if you put in the work, then to be honest, these opportunities do end up opening up. Mm. And the only reason why the rooms that we were in, that these opportunities were opening up is because we have done the work. Thanks. So Thanks. There's, there's also that. There's the idea of, oh, but you're Anto. But I just didn't become Anto. Mm. We, just, we just didn't go to man talk. We're not, we, we were, just, we're just not man talk. Mm. You know, we've put in the work. People don't know about the the dimming lights, the lack of sound, the lost footage, the arguments behind the scenes, those things are not documented. What is only documented is the trips and the opportunities and the rooms mm. and, the, and the rubbing shoulders with the who's who. Mm. But what about the moments that led us to that moment? Mm. So there's all these things that happen to lead us there. So even when people open doors and when they give us information and when they provide opportunities, it's because even they know that it's taken you so long for you to be worthy of that opportunity. 
So I think at the end, at the back of your mind also, as you also say, but but yeah, but Anto, but Oscar, but Eli, but also look at the journey and say, well, it makes sense that now those doors have been opened. Because sometimes it takes three days, sometimes it takes three years, sometimes it takes 14 years. And we, if we're even having a conversation with Blinky, with Patricia, and we're talking about, you know, how sometimes it feels like imposter syndrome and you're like, should I even be in this yeah, room? Yeah. Am I even allowed? Like, and, and you're there and mm. someone feels like you're worthy to be there. By the time you get on the plane, you still feel like, I am I Yo, <laughs> yo, like, I, I, that's actually so accurate because like, I had that conversation yeah. with Patricia. Yeah. Because like, I was telling Patricia, and I remember this was the, when like, the day I was, I've met Patricia Kioro twice. For those who don't know, Patricia Kioro is the coolest. Um, if you know Patricia Kioro, ah, yeah, now you. you like, <laughs> coolest. Yeah. The, she's the coolest. Like one of the, if not the coolest. I, I, honestly, she's, yeah. she's the coolest. Yeah. Um, she does, her personality doesn't change in every situation of founder. Like she's mm. always like on this cloud of, like what's that cloud of, I don't know what it is. It's like she's yeah. this it's, cool. it's, very, it's very pure. Yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. a cloud of like I'm me and I'm yeah. enjoying this. Like, yeah. yeah. First time I met her was um, there was an event we went for for a dinner, and we were sitting and having a conversation, and Patricia, and I told Patricia my excitement because I just shot uh, Bold Box with BN, mm-hmm. the Bold Box series with yeah. BN, and I was like, oh my god, I got to meet BN, and I had to act all cool. But then like BN's music is what I literally grew up listening yeah. to. I used to hold at the edge of a matatu in Saudi, yeah. mm. listening to Saudi soul booming yeah. in the car, yeah. and like I have to act all cool. And she's like, but you deserve it. Relax, calm yeah. down. But exactly. that's like. You deserve it. Yeah. Next time we meet, I'm at the SA Visa Application Center. I have a passport that is... <laughs> we'll yeah. about it. I have a passport that's like dead. It's been in water in Kilifi and stuff. And like she's like, oh, don't worry. You'll figure it out. Like yeah. she's, she's always been this calming presence. And when we were on the plane, I was like, I honestly can't believe I'm here. When I touched on the SA, I told her like, I can't believe that uh, Mantok and what me and Eli have done you know, like I had an idea like two, three years ago. It's like mm. we had actually here in Johannesburg. It's yeah. just like, but but you deserve it. And that's the thing. Like mm. a lot of times we beat ourselves up. Yeah. And those are valid conversations. They are valid. And I think I like the angle that you bring, sort of the devil's advocate that, yeah, but is this information shared with everyone? Maybe it's a maybe it's a place thing. Yeah. But it's also and I think people have to always remember it's a timing thing. Mm. Timing. Success isn't faithful. It's mm. not a and that's the yeah. thing though. Even our presence and our our experience there, that was, yes, we were there for an event, but the, the, our, our presence there was not an event. I hear you. Mm. You know, we were there for an event, but our presence there was Mm. not an event. Mm. It It was was a journey. journey. It was, um, we were moving to somewhere else. It was just the beginning. I mean, now when you think about it, there's the anxiety to get there. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. We're done. It's we're over. done. It's over. Yeah. Now, if we're looking up, probably the next trip is in Cape Town mm. or in New York or in Malawi or in Zambia or in Lagos or Abuja yeah. mm. or Dar es Salaam. That's the thing. But when you see me move the way that I move, you must understand that if maybe you haven't noticed, there's people who have seen the hard work. They've seen me put in the work. Mm. So that's something we can never forget. And we cannot take away from people who are constantly putting in the work. Mm. That work has to be there. And there are people who actually see you put in the work. And when they see you, they feel like, yeah, maybe now he deserves. Yeah. He deserves yeah. to know. Mm. He deserves to know how these things... Because you sometimes you go to rooms where you are never meant to be in those rooms. Mm. You are never meant to be in those rooms. Yeah. But you are now worthy of mm. the information and the power that comes with being in those rooms. And do I feel absolutely <laughs> zilch <laughs> and, and I unapologetic I about being in those rooms. Mm, for That's sure. That's perfect because yeah. the next part of this is going to be about your journey. But before yeah. we do that, I want us to have one thing we that you think 
South Africa can learn from Kenya as well to mm. balance the scale? Wow. Gazel is a deep person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, balance, balance. Balance. Jeez. I'm a Libra. I learned this is my thing. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> You're a winner. <laughs> I'm a Scorpio. I'm an empath. Wow. I'm an, what is I'm an empath. I think, I, think I, I know that South Africans have been through a lot. Mm. Um, but I think one of the things that, that, that I genuinely see with Kenyans mm. is our resilience. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I feel like Kenyans... For us even to be to be noticed by them, we have to go through so many hurdles mm. for us to be to be even noticed or to be even seen or heard by certain people, including by them. So I really feel that if they could if they could see how difficult it is to be a creative, mm. to be a Kenyan, to survive in our economy, to sort of make it to deal with tribalism and our politics and all those things, we are a very difficult, difficultly molded people. And our resilience really would, I mean, from everything they've gone through and also the fact that we, we were very accommodating. I, I, I hope that South Africans would be more of that. And I, and, you know, and I know they have the, the rainbow nation. They have a sort of a very difficult history that they have to deal with. But, you know, sort of be, be resilient with a smile. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah. I mean, I think the, I, unfortunately, I'm, I'm Kenyan. But unfortunately, this is something I feel is a problem Africa-wide mm. and not just a South African issue. I think it's also a Kenyan issue. But I think it's time for us to consider um, a more integrated experience as Africans. Mm. Because I think there's a lot of value in the Nigerian in the room. Because we also uh, met, mm. I said what I said, yeah. Jola. Jola, Ajege. Hey, Jola. Jola, my Jola of Jola. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Jola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's just amazing. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. Jola of Jola. My Jola of Jola. <laughs> so yeah, so like the Nigerian perspective that we had um, mm. and Kenyan experience that we also came with and the South African experience that we had with the South Africans in their country. When that event came together, it was such a beautiful celebration of our culture and of who we are as Africans. And I think it's a shame that we have to wait for Africa Day, yeah. you know, to have yeah. like that kind of experience. Because I honestly think South Africa can be the place where... Africa as a continent comes to commute. Mm. And you do know that the Southern African people is a lot of where we as Africans come from. Yeah. Like the Bantu people were yeah. South, Southern yeah. African immigrants. Yeah. So I just felt that we need to think about working together more to grow the African media economy and the African economy in other sectors as well, legal and otherwise, um, and to see how we can collaborate and do work together. That's yeah. what I, I hope um, and so probably adopt Swahili as their main thing. Yeah, 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 they need to think about that. Because already, yeah. we can't say Kenya them, and yeah. they can't, yeah. Yeah. They can't yeah. gossip us. They can't, yeah. yeah. There are 12 languages. Add another one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. another yeah. one. Like, yeah. like, 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 number 13. Zulu is like half Swahili most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Hakuna, they say Haguna. Yeah. Haguna. Yako is Yako. Nyama. Nyama is Nyama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, Yuena is Wewe. Mina is Mimi. It's just across the... Matumbo is Matumbo yeah, tribe. Yeah, we yeah. tribe, yeah. yeah. Like, we need to... I feel like that integration yeah, needs to happen. Yeah, let's make those borders. I wish we could break those yeah. borders. Yeah, because they were, they were drawn by the white man. Let's yeah. not lie. Yeah. Otto von Bismarck drew yeah. it in the scramble, yeah, in, in yeah. The scramble Ooh, for Africa. I'm triggered. Yeah, okay, okay. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. Ooh. but South Africans have gone through... Don't even... Well... <laughs> Upper side and, and that Hector Peterson Museum, I will oh, never yo, forget. Oh, the yo. most traumatic, emotional, 
have ever been in SA. Yes, yeah, yeah. same. I had do, you guys, do you guys realize when we went to Mandela House, mm. we, we were not even moved now. We were yeah, like, yeah, yeah, we've seen everything. Yeah. Like, guys, this is too much. Did you yes. see the, the picture of the Chevy with the, the white, blue, yeah. uh, with the Boa police? Yeah. yeah and the then on the back. And the, the back. ghost that's assassinating like kids, kids coming from our shop. Yeah, yeah. buying a litre of milk. Yeah, like yo, that yeah. that hectic, that Hectic. 1976 mm. June 16th protest. Yeah. I will never forget it. Yeah. No social media, mm. no no room, and with appetite. And these kids found a way yeah. to yeah. all come together and protest against being mm. taught Africans in school. Yeah, that was phenomenal. Yeah. It was it was the thing that really like got me was like there was this placard where uh, a kid is standing saying. I may be a child, yeah. but I am an African child. Yeah. I was yeah. like, I saw that, I was like, using dustbin covers like what, as yeah, the yeah, what it means to be an bullets. African child. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. like even till today, this, the question still remains, like what, what does it mean to be an African, African child? child? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Big yeah. question. Because for them, it meant yeah. like, a more liberated, more powerful future. Mm. And these people are still alive, by the way. That's They're what, probably that, in the that, public. They're yeah, members yeah, of the public. That's thing about it. Thinking these guys like, what, 50s? Yeah. 50 years old. Yeah. So I encourage everyone to just Google Hector Pearson and just read about it because that yeah. hit all of us hard. Like, yeah. I, did, I left and I felt hot. Yeah. The eyes were just like, oh, gut-wrenching. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. difficult. I haven't mm. been able to get it out of my... Yeah. It's okay. quite difficult. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Anto, uh, now, changing gear. Yeah, please. That was essay. So thank you, Spotify. Speaking of changing gears... No, hold up, hold oh, up. No. Sorry, I'm scared of this. But no, but do you do you guys realize that ninety percent of cars in oh, say are That's manual? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you are worried. Where gonna be? I knew. I just no. I just, what what happens in South Africa? Yeah, stays no, in South Africa. Thing, no, guys, it's just things that I realized there that yeah. they are quite unique to us. Yeah. Nine, like ninety nine percent of cars there are manual, mm. while our cars are automatic. It's, I didn't realize. Though they drive on the yeah yeah, yeah though yeah. they drive on the left side like we do hand yeah, dri- yeah right hand drive. Yeah. It was quite. Yeah, it was quite. I didn't notice that. Yeah, oh, I, nice. yeah I remember asking because yeah. the there's an Uber came for me and I was like, Oh yeah, we did see that. I we was did like, see that, what? Yeah. Yeah, I which, did see that. Yeah. yeah, what model? Which year is this? He's like 2015. I'm like, and it's a manual. He's like, Ah, here, 90% of the cars are manual because they save yeah. fuel. Yeah, oh, so, yeah, yeah sufficient. Yeah. Yeah. Very observant. Yeah, and here, it's, yeah. everyone is automatic. Heavy. So I wanna, I wanna. So that was that was our essay trip. So yes, Spotify. Yeah. Thank you so much. Like we had the time of our life. Mitch and Liz. There we go. Shout oh, out to them. Shout, shout out to Miss Azagana. Yeah. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. 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 When this drops, is we're actually recording. We showed you your birthday, but yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. <laughs> so um. Okay. So, okay. So that was a great trip. Mm. A couple of the, the things you've mentioned in terms of the creative field, in terms of resilience, in terms of your journey, I'm very curious to hear more about. Mm. Um, so what we always do with Mantle when there's a guest is we just start off with a very, it's a very simple question. It's not, it's not heavy. Oh well, yeah, we got excited. <laughs> it's yeah. 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 There's a, a very, there's a very simple question we start with. And then we're going to just get into you as Anto. And because we always say people have more hats than more titles than a library. So you're mm. another one. So we want to get into all of those titles and your journey. Now, what we ask every guy and every lady that comes on here is, um, is sort of centered in what our Man Talk show is all about. So our show is all about positive masculinity, showing a good example of what men can be in society through conversations. Mm. Now, as a man in society, we, nom- we normally get knocked about saying, you know, toxic men, you know, um, men are trash, all that sort of thing. So we want to s- sort of tip the scales, debunk it, and provide some balance again uh, through this question. So Anto, as a man in society today, what is one positive thing that you contribute and that you think men contribute to society? I, I 
think the mm. thing would be balance. I mean, I really love that mm. word balance. And mm. so when you mention it, I literally lit up. Mm. And I, when I say balance is because one of the things about being a man is that you have to stand up from the crowd. But when you stand up from the crowd, it becomes problematic to a lot of men and people in society that no, 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 no. I know being a man is, you know, you're supposed to stand up for da, 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 but why are you, why would you give people a, a space to breathe and be, and mm. be anything other than the manliness that we're talking about? Mm. So I think balance is important. And I think, you know, for men who, for example, who have allowed either one women to work in, you know, serious or senior positions where they are from, men who do not mansplain, men who sit in rooms and allow women to just be women without judgment, but also giving that space and opportunity on my radio show to not only give not just women as a gender card, but also men an opportunity to be able to speak out and speak about things like, for example, therapy and talk about mental illness and mental wellness. So balance is important. I mean, we are made to feel like we are supposed to always be on top of the world, but I think it comes with a huge responsibility mm. and that responsibility also allows people to be comfortable in their own skin and using your space as a man in a very patriarchal society to provide opportunity and platforms for people, whether they're high, whether they're low, whether they're of whatever stature, to be themselves, whether it's a man or a woman. Because they, we also have scenarios where men are not allowed the platform and the opportunity to speak. Mm. And especially when you speak, when you talk about a society where we've got a lot of, you know, female empowerment, there's, there's, there's the there's that chance for men to sort of want to walk away, to not be seen that they're not supporting women fully, mm. which also means that they will might let men be and sort of fall under the mm. cracks. Mm. So that opportunity is, is very important to give it through interviews. I mean, when you look at, look at my radio show, for example, I will interview men and women alike um, in terms of them wanting to aspire uh, to be politicians and all those things, whether it's artists, whether it's couples, whether it's people, content creators, it's just important that we provide that opportunity, regardless of what we think of men or women in society. What, a, what an answer. Oof. Gee, come on. Jeez. This Andre guy for president. Have you been watching Mantok? Yeah, know. there we go. <laughs> um, okay. See, so. let me get shocked by myself sometimes, guys. <laughs> no, that's the thing. You see, this is the thing, though. Like, I have, which people don't even know, people don't even like. I, it, be, it seems sometimes unreal to people. I have massive serious anxiety. Huh? So, yeah, like mm. serious anxiety. So sometimes when you speak, you're like, guy, no way. Why, why am I in this room? Yeah. Why are they asking me these questions? Mm. So you sort of sometimes feel like you want to be like mm. right in what you do. But then you realize with therapy and, you know, with taking meds, that just, and so just let it flow. Let it happen. Let let it, yeah, let it, just let, let it, it go. Just, mm. yeah. And yeah. I think that's what, has sort of made me better yeah. uh, over the last couple of years because then you're not hung up or you're stuck in your head. Like when you're in the zone, in the question, just get on with it and move on. Facts. And be honest in your truth. Facts. Because we're stuck in our heads a lot. Facts. I'm going to follow up with the next question. Yeah. And this question is going to be about your early life because um, I feel like, because um, I've been listening a lot to your music and I feel like you're very inspired by who you are growing up yeah. and who you are as a person. So could you please just let us know like, where did you grow up and what was that experience like and how has that like influenced your music and your personality today? So I was, brought, I was born in 85. I was, I was born in uh, Kawangware in a very you know, sort of disadvantaged um, background and, and home. But I, 
I, I mean, I always tell people that you always realize later. In fact, I was speaking to a friend of mine when I, was, when I showed them where I schooled. I schooled in Lavington Primary. And I was telling them that I only realized way later that I was born poor. I, I didn't know that I was born poor because I, my grandfather, where we lived in Kawangware, is very... I mean, I was brought up in Nairobi, born in, born in, brought up in Nairobi, but in a very Ushago background because my, da, my grandfather being half Maasai, half with, you know, the roots in Maasai, and, and, and being Kikuyu, is that my dad had to, by the time he became a man, he had to just move out of the homestead and build his place there, same as his other brothers, my uncles. So we didn't know, like, Yukirinyaga, we actually don't have any of that. Only my mom, we got my mom's shags, but my shags is here. So I was brought up in that sort of, uh, sort of upbringing. And I didn't, I only realized I was poor when, I, when we were older, because I have a community, I'd have people that I grew up with, but one of the things my grandfather did was very clear that I had to go to a good primary school. Mm. So I know they had to move mountains for me to school in Lavington Primary. And, you know, I'd go to school, learn how to speak, learn how to express myself, be comfortable with my own skin, mix with kids from different backgrounds, see kids being dropped in school by cars and all those things. When you got, get older, you realize, hey, we don't have a car. You realize, mm-hmm. hey, people eat good food at the canteen. Hey, me have to come with Ugali. Oh, people, kids will laugh at you when you come with Ugali. Da, 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 da. So I realized those things later, but I thank God the foundation that I had because of the schooling that I had sort of didn't make me uncomfortable and didn't remind me constantly of mm. who I was. Mm. Like you're a poor kid, mm. you know? So that didn't occur. Mm. And so only when I got older, I realized, wow, this came with a lot of huge responsibility. I was quite talented in school, ended up performing for the then president, Moi, um, in 97, when a certain MP was defecting from DP to Kanu. And those days were quite political. My own dad, my dad didn't come to the event mm. because then from where I, we were, Kawangore is quite opposition. So you could mm. not even want to be seen in that area. And I mean, Moi was also powerful. So there was that. And then ended up, you know, um, in a different uh, primary school where I did my class eight, St. Mary Academy in Donholm. My mom was, was teaching there. So it just made sense for, you know, sort of, like I told you, you don't realize you're poor and realize, oh, wow, that's the best way to actually study. Because your mom gets to allow, she's allowed that you can be able to study there. Um, that meant repeating a year, but then it was good because I passed my high school and I ended up in uh, in Upper Hill. The first day that I, the first day that I, you know, was at are all yeah, the great school. musicians and artists from Upper the Hill. The first day that <laughs> I, the first day that I entered school like this, the first person I met was BN. We started giving people <laughs> nicknames. Mm. So people wrote me were like, that's for Doc Mendoza. And they kept with a huge nose, we were like, that's Wangombe. <laughs> <laughs> and those names stuck. Mm. And those names stuck. So me and BN ended up becoming good friends, who were desk mates, who write songs together. I mean, the whole Shebang, that, that, that literally was my, was my life. But my experiences, my struggle, I mean, when I was born three years after the coup, uh, reggae music was sort of banned in Kenya. It wasn't like an outright ban, but because when the, the, the cops, the military who tried to overturn uh, the government, when they went to KBC then, they made the presenter play reggae music. And unbeknownst to more, most people is that reggae music ended up being banned in Kenya. Chini uh, Amaj, like you just wasn't allowed to play by the national broadcaster. So my uncles had listened to them play reggae music because it became the music of rebellion. Mm. So I listened to them play the music and it was quite... Uh, my dad also, in fact... Younger pictures of him, he's, he's called Bob. People call my dad Bob because he loved Bob Marley. And I think that's where the love came from, even for myself. So 
I grew up poor, but we were very intentional about the choices we made from my choice of school mm. to my choice of upbringing, regardless of the fact that we were born poor, mm. to every single thing that I did. I, my parents were quite strict. They didn't say exactly why they, they behaved the way they behaved, but I realized later, and it's a thing that I've carried with me, intention. Mm. These rooms that you sit in, the things that you say, the choices that you make, the people that you decide to, 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 to mix with, the things that you do might not be the choices that kids from poor backgrounds do, but they're very intentional. Yeah. So even my being eloquent, my choosing to read, my choosing to be a great performer, it was because you had to get yourself out of the ghetto. Yeah. So you had to make intentional choices. Mm. And sometimes parents, grandparents, will make the choices on your behalf. Mm. And I think those are the things that have sort of led me into being who I am. And even my choice of music or the, the choice of the music videos that I do and my choice of what I stand for, again, intentional about being intentional. And that's literally my upbringing. It's, it wasn't easy. Uh, it was quite... I mean, to be honest, I realized later because my parents did everything they could to sort of cushion me from all of that heart. But, but here I am. Facts. Yeah. Intention. That's interesting because to have parents and have an upbringing where they seem to have been like, they see your future and they're trying to mold you in the best, um, best scenario to become what yeah. you can be. Yeah. I want to know about how you became an artist from an intentional background because a lot of people's intentions, yeah. um, even though they're influenced by music, is not for their son or someone to go and actually do music. music. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just very curious to see that, that, that there's a balance there. They're intentional, but be what you want to be. So how did that work? So when my dad watched me perform. I remember my dad coming to watch me perform uh, in Love and Pay my school. Mm. And I remember him telling my mom later, yo, you need to go and see this boy perform. So like, you know, again, like my dad coming from his sort of generation of men, she mm. wouldn't be there like hugging you and kissing you and telling mm. you this is amazing. Mm. He wouldn't do anything. Mm. That did never happen. Mm. But he, I had him tell my mom wow. that, you know, hey, you need to go and see this boy perform. Mm. So that was the biggest validation that I think I'd ever want from him. So already, I, th I think hearing that from him, but also him being very clear that, oh, there's a time he actually made me like stop music, like, oh, you can do it after university, because it was becoming like a really serious thing. Mm -hmm. And he was afraid that it would actually end up hurting my school, uh, you know, studies. But then that validation was enough as a young wow. boy. Like my dad, I had him tell my mom that this boy is dope. Wow. Yeah. That's what I needed. Yeah. So even as I was going through it now, and there's something as a musician, and I think it should apply to every single person, podcasters, actors, it's called your 10,000 hours. <laughs> so your 10,000 hours mm. as a musician is the, the hours you get in school when you're singing, mm. in a choir when there's actually real training happening, in church where you sing, and now even in your own free time and you're performing on stage. Yeah. Well, most people think that because you can sing, because you have a voice, you literally leave one space and go and literally be amazing with 10,000 hours. Mm. So those 10,000 hours are the relationships you build along the way. Mm. So the relationship that I had with BN as a songwriter, he's written one of my songs called Stafka Bwisho. Mm. It's a relationship you build mm. where some of the people that you study with end up being the marketing managers of the big firms that end up hiring you. So... Being a musician is one thing, but I tell people I'm not in the business of music. I'm in the business of emotions. Wow. So mm. once you, whatever you're good at, once you take that thing away from what you do, what are you good at? So what do you really do? Mm. I'm in the business of emotion. My job is to incite, to challenge, to entice, to romanticize, mm. to entertain. 
that's the business I'm in. Mm. It just so happens that the medium that I use is music wow. or journalism mm. or the radio or the TV. That's mm. what I do. So that intention moved from what is this music all about to how can we turn this into a business? How do we use this? Fine, it doesn't pay all the bills. So how can I use my mouth, my attitude, my energy to do my PR? Because I do a lot of PR for people and for certain organizations that I've done. That then pays the bills for this lifestyle that comes with the music. So those things I've been very intentional about. Mm. Um, and, you know, along the way, you know, the studio time, the working with the band, the putting yourself out there, the branding yourself to create this brand and this persona that people can say in a room, when they are in a room, they will actually think of Anto and nobody else. Yeah. That's what you work in terms of your intention. The thing is one thing, guys, but the being in people's minds, and, and they always say the most important thing you could do and, and really think about is when you leave a room, what taste do you leave in people's mouths? Yeah. That's the musician. The music is just an avenue for all these dreams and things that I want. That's what I believe. I believe that being able to sing, being able to have a good voice or doing all those things is just a means to an end. Mm. All sort of things is what matters. Excellent. Fantastic. Wow. <laughs> Again, Yo. Yo, say, my hands crazy. are stretching. I'm just stretching because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm literally carrying the points like this in my hands <laughs> before they fall in this room. Um, so the next, the next question I have for you, um, just to follow up on what you've said about intention, and thinking about the taste that you leave in people's mouths, you left a very sweet taste for us. That's uh, why we're here. That's right? why we're here. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, very clever. <laughs> vibes. Uh, you know, uh, shout out to Jola Jolof for gone. The next question I want to talk about is structure. Um, I I just want us to touch a little bit on structuring your talent and structuring your ability to move people and your emotions. Mm. How did you incorporate structure? in your own talent and in your own capacity to make people feel yeah. so that you can be able to reach the heights you've reached today? To be honest, I'm still trying to figure that out. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've, I've sort of got an anxiety maybe in the last one or two years is because when you're multi-hyphenated like myself, you sort of feel you're very pressured to be able to get everything right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things or the mistakes that we sort of have made in terms of how, especially as Africa, maybe let's say as Kenyans, how we are brought up is that there's no room for failure. And so I think for me, structure, when you think about it as a ladder, and when you place a ladder on a wall, the anxiety that comes with, and that's sort of your industry or your talent or whatever, the anxiety that comes with it is that the ladder would fall. But the surety that comes with life is that the ladder will fall. So the idea that you're constantly worried about it falling should not be crossing your mind. Yeah. Is that, that it will fall. But most importantly is that, does it break the ladder? Do you stand back up? you continue painting this wall that you've been working on. Mm -hmm. So you decide, do I start from the left all the way to the right? Because So we are stuck in the ladder and we never ever end up painting our walls. Wow. Yeah. So that's, to me, when, when we talk, talk about structure, it's very difficult for me to say because one of the things I've realized is that I have to live every single day as it comes, but I have to be intentional again about where do I want to go. So what, I, so what happened was I, I then said, so sort of, I don't want to be those guys who are, is asked a question then is like, okay, but the person watching the home is like, just give us a structure. <laughs> so trying to be deep with that one is, you know, is like I said, one is relationships. Relationship is very key. The people around you, the people that you interact with, you ask yourself, what value do you bring in the conversation, in the room? So the people around you can be of value to you. 
and you can be of value to them. So when we talk about structure, relationships are very key because these relationships will allow you to be able to springboard yourself to where you want to go. So please take care of people and the relationships around you. You could be talented, you could have all the money, but you cannot throw money at people and expect them to sort of work with you. So relationships are very key. A plan. I mean, think of a plan. Have a vision board, for lack of a better word. I mean, mm. tell yourself, where do I want to be in five years? And put that vision board and be very clear with it. Cut. I mean, it's a very teenage sort of thing people think that people do. Cut those. Cut that Maserati, put it on the wall. Mm-hmm. You know, cut those quotes and put them on the wall. Because the thing about the way the world is and the way energy is, you will find yourself working towards this goal without realizing that's exactly everything you're doing for. Yeah. And have purpose. And I think great structure comes with purpose. I was, I was taught a very interesting way of coming up with your purpose by a lady who's head of international content at Netflix. Hey. She's called Dorothy Getuba. Mm. And she sat me down and she mentored me and she told me, what is your purpose? Mm. So when she asked me the question and uh, I met her, I still had not, I was like, what does she mean? Purpose. Mm. And we had a very interesting sort of um, thing that we, she came up with. And she told me, What are you good at? So and I was like, I'm good at singing, you know, hosting, and you know, writing, and all those things. Ahead. So, what avenues do you use to be able to put these talents into practice? I was like, Oh, so there's TV, there's radio, I teach, I challenge people. And the last thing is, the world is a better place when everyone is. And once you answer those three questions, that becomes your purpose and you find your structure and you're very clear about what you want to work on. So for me, then it became that I use my singing, my journalist, journalistic skills, my acting skills to teach, challenge, incite people to be happy. And so every single thing that I do, that becomes my purpose. And everything that I want to do within the five years that I want to plan within the years that I want to release a new album or I want to work on my PR company or I, or this, the school that I helped my mom to run, each and every one of those, whatever structure I come up with is founded on the common denominator that that is my purpose. Because you cannot have structure if you do not know why you want to paint your wall from the left to the right or bottom, top, top, bottom. Why? That becomes your purpose. Why are you beating the wall in the first place? Yeah, yeah that's incredible. You, firstly, as the conversation goes on, I'm realizing just how multifaceted you are. There's like another thing every 20 minutes. <laughs> so that's incredible. But yeah. You guys, when you yeah. suffer like yeah. me, yeah. <laughs> you become <deep>. Come on, <laughs> wise man. I swear. You do need dreadlocks to be rasta. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing you've said I can attest to as well that you've mentioned is the vision board. Like I do that at the end of every year, 31st vision board and that year at least 50% of the stuff yeah. you see is, is worked. Yeah, so it actually have, ends it really up happening. Works, really works. True story. Yeah. Um, so even as you, even your energy, as you talk, as you answer questions, there's a certain level of like confidence. There's a certain level of like you're very affirmed in all the senses you say. But um, again, another balance we're talking about is that at the same time you're saying that as an individual in the last year or so you've suffered with anxiety mm. as a man. And for you to even be able to Say that so casually yeah. is a level of strength that takes to be able to just say it in a conversation and yeah. carry on talking. So I want to know, you mentioned it was a year or so ago. Firstly, how you realized that that happened and then yeah. how you mentioned therapy as well, how therapy has sort of helped you yeah. with that because I'm, I'm imagining that you have to operate at such a high level to be able to do all of these, like I'm, I'm counting six at the moment, yeah. six things. Yeah. So yeah, how did therapy help and how did you realize anxiety? 
Um, I, th- I think it happened when uh, during the, uh, the the pandemic. So what happened for me was because that time the curfew was seven pm, mm. and my show then was ending at eight pm. My drive show. So what would happen was every eight pm, every single day when I'd go home, I realized, like to be honest, it makes you feel very. I was, it's just, at the beginning it was that like I was happy. I was like, I'm the only one who's driving in Nairobi. Like uh, I used to, yeah. I, my life used to be lit. Yeah. And my life was <laughs> just me putting my, I actually bought even a, a sticky thing on my car. So mm. I put the, the phone and I do a live for people all the way to my house. Oh, no. Because it was just empty. Yeah. And guys were just interested to see Yanni. And then I beat the cops. I sort of hide my phone a little bit that stopped me. Yeah. By the second week, they knew me. They're like, ah, do. Ah, no, 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 But with time, it started to also bother me. But I'm a very social being and it started to make me realize this is not normal. This driving at night, there's no people, you don't talk to people, you can't meet, I can't perform on stage, I can't meet people, I can't have guests on my show. And yeah. then I was constantly reporting death. Oh. Every single day. I'd either have to have the CS play on, uh, sort of play yeah. uh, v- uh, Vox Pops of him speaking, yeah. or the CAS, Mwangangi, or the CS. Uh, Kagwe, Motai Kagwe. So, but but one thing was clear: I was constantly, constantly, literally swimming in bad news yeah. all the time. So whether it was, and then the other silent pandemic that came is was was uh, gender-based violence. Mm-hmm. And so with GBV now, I was also again in the thick of it because I had to also still talk about it on the radio show. Mm-hmm. So I was literally in the behemoth of all of these things. And then it started affecting me because now it was I was very keen on what is the purpose mm. of, of life. And death became a very constant reminder in, in my head. So my biggest fear, I think, has always been heights. But then it was now manifesting through, manifesting through death. Jeez. And I was constantly worried about, so what's my purpose? Mm. What am I here for? Mm. And so these things, again, I compartmentalized them and I moved on. Mm. But then even when we came back, when we sort of, the country came back, mm. hey, it's now started bothering me with the racing thoughts and the intrusive mm. thoughts. And like you could be in a room and you're thinking about a hundred things that's happening, but I'm supposed to, and I shoot. Today's man talk, and after man talk, and you know, so like I've been speaking to you, mm. but my brain is telling me that uh, I should be at in town by three and yeah. there'll be traffic. And you're constantly thinking the worst. Mm. So you're constantly thinking the worst can happen. It's never about mm. like, you know, these amazing things happening, the flowery, da, 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 and you'll try to think about them, you forget them. So this happened to me so much. And when I got, and this is the first time that I'm going to say this, but people don't know, I actually got two attacks when I was, when I was hosting, I was hosting, um, I can't remember the guest, I'm trying to remember if it was Arrow Boy or somebody. No, I remember. It was, I was hosting the cast of Crime and Justice. And I literally got a panic attack. And you sort of feel this thing go through your body and they didn't notice. And nobody noticed because you, you, you can't tell. I think there's only one guy who's sort of gone viral on TV for getting an anxiety attack. But for me, you couldn't tell. And it really bothered me. And it started happening to me. The other one happened when I was on air. And I was doing, I remember I was doing a mention that a client had paid for. And once I forgot a word, I forgot one word, which was in my brain, but I forgot it. I, I couldn't say it with my mouth. And I choked up and I went silent on air. And I played music like nothing had happened. Then I went back on. So I made it look like, <coughs> like, I'd, <coughs> like I was choking. And, you know, my fans were just like, ah, it's, these things happen. And I moved on. And then I realized, I think I need help. Yeah. So I remember calling. And it's funny, I'd, I'd hosted, I'd hosted a, a, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, or a psychotherapist, one of those, 
um, who I had been introduced to, and we were talking about burning of schools and why we need to talk about mental health, about young people. And it's so funny, and I thought about it, and I was like, I was hosting these people on my show. Three or four psychologists have come to my show to talk about anxiety and depression and all these things, and here I am needing them now mm. for this help. Can I just ask, yeah. the, when it happened, what, what physically happened? Can you walk us through what happens? So what happens is it, it, you, you sort of feel like one... It's it's really it's like a spasm. You feel like your brain, like something moves from your brain all the way to the to you, the your the soles of your feet. You just feel shah, and mm. it's sort of a bit electric. You you get um, it's we always say this feeling of water passing through your stomach. So it like it cuts you. It's like it cuts you. Wah! And you know fear. You know when something bad is about to happen, yeah. and that's the fear you get. That's the way you feel it. And I trembled a bit. I was a bit shaky. You become a bit blank. Your mind is blank. Mm. But but one of the feelings which is weird, you actually believe that you're going crazy. Yeah. Oh, what? You do believe you're going crazy. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. In the middle of an interview. Yeah, you do believe you're going crazy because you're like, oh my what? God, what's happening? Like, what's happening to my brain? Because you see, you the first thing you believe is that you actually mm. think that you are going nuts. So that's the first feeling you get. Like, I'm going crazy. What? So now you have to... And now when you're holding that feeling inside, mm. that's now the anxiety. It's like, now you're really holding it like, oh, don't act it out. Yeah. You see, now you're, now you're, you're stuck in a rat. Like, what is really happening to me? So there's all those things. And there's more things that happen along the way, like depersonalization. Mm. Um, you know, de- call it or depersonification, where you feel like the, you're living a lie. So I could be here, and then I'm feeling like, is this really happening? Is this fake? Maybe, maybe I died. What? Yeah. Are you serious? No, that's horrible. Nah. Oh, yes. It's called depersonalization. You're like, oh. maybe I died and then now I'm, I'm living like... And like, a, like a projected image. <laughs> yeah. There's a day I went to Twitter, I was like, me, I want to see people have ever said rest in peace and... <laughs> no. <laughs> what? <laughs> maybe I'm living that life. Are you kidding me? Yes, I'm what? serious. So these things and people go through them and, and, and you can imagine mine isn't as bad as for other people. Mm. But I have been, when I started going for therapy, one of the things my my psychotherapist told me was like you are so lucky you're so strong that you didn't you didn't you didn't you know sort of take on your impulses and you dealt with it mm. because then you feel like i mean you could be in a plane and you want to open the door so you could run because the thing about anxiety it's fight or flight so you're constantly thinking i need to fight like i need to fight for my life because that's the way we are and it forces you to read a lot to go to youtube and check all these ted talks and self-care tips and whatever because you really do feel like something bad is about to happen and you're constantly stuck in that rut or you want to run. So imagine being in a flight and all you want to do is fly. So you feel like you're going to open the door and run. And it's a chemical in your brain that causes all these problems. And, and it's, again, it's, it's an issue of childhood, the traumas that we go through, our expectations and all these things that we have. And honestly, and also being a man, that for men, you do not talk about these things. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. don't come here and, you know, and start telling us the way I'm feeling. Men are not meant to feel. So why are you feeling? Why are you being problematic with your feelings? Why are you telling us? Why are you worried? Why are you... Drown it out. Football it out. Drink it out. Yeah. Man it up. So those things now, but when you think about the life and the, and, and the society that we live in, we cannot just put these things and compartmentalize them and move on with our lives. Yeah. This is why we have issues at home in terms of gender-based violence. This is why we have issues of drug and alcohol abuse. This is why we have issues of depression and death by suicide because we don't allow people to open up just because we're stuck in you are a man. Jeez. 
while we busy take our men to go and be psychologists and psychiatrists. So who are the men supposed to treat <laughs> if we can't treat fellow men? Yeah. What's the whole point? I know. It's, mm. To be honest, it's like it's, it's really it's. Mm. It's I, I never like using the word crazy, but it's crazy. It's like what is that? Yeah, it's a, you know, so, and it's, I, and it's I, a situation and, for sure. Yeah, and a lot of people are going through that. And one of the reasons why we have a lot of deaths by suicide is because people just don't know who to talk to. And that I think there's a thing it's called. It's called I think akinesia or akinesia or something. Mm. It's a constant feeling of wanting to be dead. So even when you one of the things about people who go through depression anxiety is one of the biggest mistakes you can make is ask someone if they want to hurt themselves. Mm. And you because actually death to them is not hurting, it's freeing. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's a very weird loop and rut to be in, and especially for someone like me who is so confident that it just it's like this this just feels like a buzzword. There's no way this guy could be anxious. Uh, <laughs> so how is this person anxious? Yeah. He's on yeah. TV. He's on radio. He's performed. He's from SA. He just went to tomorrow. He just went to the motor expo next week. Unbelievable. Yeah. But people are going through it and think through it. I'm just one of the few who now I feel like I can talk about it. And I always feel like the I was given the burden to be able to use a platform for that. Yeah. The therapy that you mentioned. Yeah. So how's therapy. how's that sort of it's very interesting, you know, you've got grounding techniques that you know that you're taught to use to ground yourself when you feel mm-hmm. like hmm, this is not really, like this is not feeling real. You know, I'm very I'm very keen on sounds and sights, so you sort of ground yourself constantly, you know, and just talking and, and being in a room when you talk and you realize that it is okay to just talk. And, and the thing about it is that you even start to ask yourself, why am I like this? <laughs> why? And you realize just to talk to people. Mm, mm. So I think one of the things that I'm lucky with is even being in these scenarios, it sort of feels like therapy to me because mm. I am talking to people. Yeah. I, um, I just, I literally, I think I'm the sort of person, I'm so social that I should never be left on my own devices to just sit and chill and think, and it's called ruminating, and just ruminate. Mm. Why is the world like this? <laughs> Where yeah. are we going after all this? Yeah. But those questions that people, about purpose and asking yourselves, mm. people go crazy for that stuff. Because mm. they're like, yo, man, I don't know why I'm here. And then imagine, imagine if I didn't have the radio drop, or if I wasn't financially stable, mm. and having to be constantly worried like that. Yeah, yeah, I can see. Now that. imagine, now yeah. imagine other people, what other people have to go through. Mm. So yeah, therapy does help a lot. And I think, I think it's okay. And I also, again, I'm at the advantage of, of being able to afford it. Yeah. That's the other thing. People, mm. not a people can't. It's not easy. Are there any options? Have you encountered any options on your side where like affordable therapy is available? I, I don't, I don't want to scare people who are therapists by, when they hear me say this. But I think one of the things as a first aid for yourself that you need to do is when you're getting, for example, insurance, if you're able to, please make sure you can get insurance and can allow you to get, whether it's public or private, mental health uh, help. Because not every insurance can do that. So information, again, is very key. Don't just get any insurance. Mm. You get one that can allow you to do that. Two, YouTube. Like, Mm. just type self-care on YouTube. Mm. There's people who you can listen to. There's a guy called Sadhguru. Um, I'm Mm. not, I'm not, uh, uh, you know, I'm not a, what's the word? I'm not like, a qualified therapist. Qualified for that. But there's a guy called Sadhguru who he talks about things like, you know, being able to sleep at night, um, you know, stop worrying a lot. You know, he talks about issues that probably lead you to that sort of feeling anyway, preventative. And so listen to those kind of people. Go to TED. TED Talks, I've got a lot of talks on anxiety mm. and uh, depression and anxiety and, and, and generalized anxiety disorders and all those things. Because the thing about anxiety is that it's self-diagnosable. You can know. You can be like... 
I think I have anxiety. Mm. You can tell. So listen and you know just meditate and have all those things. But most importantly, be able to speak and speak it out. Some of these things become normal and become normalized because we are allowed to speak to people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I think that would be yeah. But okay. especially when it comes to to getting help, professional help, please get insurance that can allow you mm. to go to a hospital that allows you to get mental health um, checkups and stuff like that. Because not every insurance allows you, and you'd be a waste of your money if you get insurance and you can't get that help. Gotcha. Yeah. Until you have given us a lot of wisdom about uh, mental health, about South Africa, about being intentional and finding your purpose. Yeah. And let's talk about your music, yeah. especially. Um, I listened to your song "Deliver Me" that dropped. I think, yeah, on Friday. On, on Friday, yeah, yeah. the third of June. Yeah. Um, talk about the project, man. Like, tell us what you're thinking. So, welcome I, to your soul. Yeah, welcome to my soul. Uh, to have a new album that's coming out on the 17th. Will this be out by then? Yeah, I don't know what the day is. So, so the album came out. It's doing really well. It's coming out on the 17th. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's called "Welcome to My Soul." So. The reason why I, I decided to, to work on a new album with an amazing producer called Dili is because when I released my first album in 2014, 2015, um, I was signed to a label then called Pine Creek by Peter Nduati and I just done Chips Funga and I think he listened it to... It slaps! Yeah, I know. It's just that song that slaps. <laughs> and he, he, was, he had me in a plane um, and he was like, what? By the time he landed in Nairobi, he was looking for me. So... That was my journey then, and I felt like because of being away, being away from sort of working on a full body of work for a while. I mean, I've done a couple of pop songs here and there, a couple of collabs. I felt like I wanted to go back to the essence of who I am, and I'm a very soulful person. I mean, even my choice of words and the way I speak, mm. I wanted to be very also confident and sure in my music. So, welcome to my soul is literally a body of work about me talking about love and heartbreak and. <clears throat> And life in general. I think I work best. I don't know if it's because of my background, but most of my great music is of heart. Even Chipsunga is a heart song. I was mm. heart. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's that's, that's literally it. And so, with the song Deliver Me, this is the funny thing about Deliver Me. I like very weird, I like weird themes. So, Deliver Me, the idea is meant to be that I fell in love with a nun. <laughs> And that's what I'm thinking, Deliver Me. If you think about it, it could be, you think it's a gospel song, but it's Deliver Me. Mm. And at the end of the song, I sing, Hey, baby, full of grace, which is an interpolation of Hail Mary. Oh, yeah. Oh. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with you. Hail Mary, full of grace. Blessed are you amongst my exes. <laughs> I didn't like that. I don't like that. Uh, at now, all. Now I thought about it, you're like, hold uh, it up. Uh, this mic is about to turn into a flame. So I'm very, um, the, and the music is about that. It's also again about men were not allowed to speak or be or behave like that. So for me, and I, and I really, and I've been intentional about being one of the few men who can sing and be very deep about singing about heartbreak and being let go. And there's songs like, Are You Ready? Where I'm telling the chick, Tell me, are you ready? Which mm. is coming out this Friday, uh, which came out on the 10th of June. Which mm. is, are you ready? Like, mm. do you want this? And the song is, the album is sort of a story in its fully, because it just, just so I can make it a bit clear. Mm. So, when I think of, when, when, when I talk about the album, so you have breaking news. Breaking news is me talking about, like, I'm a bad boy. And I actually say in the song, breaking news, 
Ask my exes what they say. I'm bad news. So I'm bad news. Like I'm a bad person. And then I meet this chick at in a by the Jacaranda. And I'm like, because Nairobi in September, October, there's so many Jacaranda trees and it's just beautiful. I was driving by Valley Road and I was like, ah, I'll read a song called Jacaranda. So I meet her by the Jacaranda and I ask her, are you ready? Like, are you ready? Is this what you want? But then I'm saying, deliver me. I'm like, me who said I'm bad news, now I can't get you out of my head. Yeah. Could you please leave me alone? Mm, got it. So when I sing Sema, it's like, okay, what do you really want? Because you've messed me up. Sema, Sema. Sema unacho kitaka. What do you really want? And by changanya, I'm still confused. Changanya means... To mix. mix. You're really mixing me up. Like, what do you want? You know, whatever. But at this time, she's cooled down and we're sort of together. And now I'm telling her, switch it up. Switch it up is a very sexual song. Because there's also this tendency by women to say, me when me, you don't know me. Me, the things I can do to you. Me. Now I'm like, ah, see now we're together. Switch it up. Do those flips you said you'll do. And it's a very bedroom song. It's like, put a pole in the bedroom and show me. Huh? Switch it. Wear those clothes. Go buy clothes online. Wear that lingerie and show me. and Buy clothes back. online. <laughs> and teach yourself how to twerk. Yeah, That's yes. the thing also. It's like, we're always like, it's always like we are supposed to the ones to know everything. We're supposed to go for an hour. And you? <laughs> what about you? No, this is a good why question. aren't you talking? Welcome to Mantra Grocery. <laughs> yeah. Where you have honestly another big conversation. Why aren't you, why aren't you clean things that you told me you do it? Use chocolate, peaches and cream, buy wine. Do those. Why is it always us who have to? So show me. And then Kiss, Command and Promise, which is a play in that song we, we sing as kids, Kiss, Command and Promise. By the time you kiss a girl, you're making, and she's telling you to do things for her, like your wish is my command. You're also making a promise to one another that this is who we want to be. And the song is Welcome to My Soul, which is, again, an interpolation of Welcome. So I'm singing, mm-hmm. Welcome to my soul, city down So now it's my parents now getting to get her. Because we've we've gone through all the space. Then there's nothing like, you know, sex before marriage, because that's not in our generation. So we've done all those things. And now it's me saying, Welcome to my soul. And my vow to her, when I'm, she's standing right next to me, at the chapel or whatever, is Niwe. The song is a very jazzy song, which is, it's you. It's you that I want. From breaking news, news to, to it's, you it's you that I want. Yeah. Which, um, on the on the horn section, we have Awura Runga, who's a Kenyan, who's played for Michael and Ryan Lewis, and he's won a Grammys before, and he, he plays amazingly in Niwe. So that's literally the whole point. Shh. Yeah. Intention yeah. again. Come on. Intention. What? I was doing the jacaranda, Intention. you know what I mean? Boy. That, what a judge. Boy. Yeah. That's, yeah. Incredible. That's incredible. Can't wait yeah. for that to drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Guys, definitely. We're gonna, like, is it, is it available on Spotify? It's available on Spotify yes. because you yes. know what? Did you hear that? In fact, that, the album already, no, the songs already are available on Spotify, new music. Mm-hmm. The Spotify people, ah, these people are the best. Ah, uh, we agree. We agree. New music, yeah. new music Friday Niger, new music Friday Ghana, new music Friday nice. Kenya. Sizzlers and his Spotify. Ah, ah the plus. They brought us together and you then they imagine. give you, come on now. Walk the yeah. talk. Yeah. yeah facts. <laughs> facts. Amazing, amazing. And so, because um, of the interesting time, I just want to say, uh, firstly, thank you and I have one last question for you. Yeah. Um, I think I'm on seven things that you do now. So the fact yeah. that you took the time to come here, so yeah, thank you for making thank, this. Thank you, thank you very much. Um, so I want to ask you, if you could whisper in the ear of Anto when you were with your parents and they're being very intentional yeah. and you knew what you knew now, you knew you're going to be going to SA, you knew you're going to be 
make incredible music, telling girls to switch it up, etc. Yeah. <laughs> what would you, etc. etc. Full stop. What would you whisper in the child of Anto? I think it's, it's something that I've been telling myself. I wish I told myself a lot. You are enough. Mm. Yeah. You click. I think you, you, you are <laughs> in. You are enough. I think it's something that we are not reminded a lot, mm. and and it comes to and by you are enough doesn't mean that you should hold back. Because mm-hmm. I think as as that kid at the hotel, I can say, "What do you mean I'm enough?" So is everything okay? Nope. Mm. That you are just enough and don't hold back. Because a lot of times we are we're never tall enough, we're never short enough, we're never dark enough, we're never talented enough, we're never we're never we're never right enough. We always feel like we need to diminish ourselves so people can be can be can be louder in a room or we need to be louder in a room so people can listen to us or we need to be to push people or step on people so we can be heard or we need to backstab people so we can make it to the front yeah. or we need to jump the queue so we can be more eloquent all those things that we constantly have to do the most yeah. just so we can feel enough yeah. i think once we begin to strip ourselves of that of the weaknesses of the lack mm. of the of all those things that we realize that we are already enough in your timing and in your own essence and your own energy you are literally enough to be able to move the world without having to be anything other than who you are Brilliant. you don't have to move the world by being a mean person or a sucking up person or an unkind person or a richer person and all those things might be necessary in certain moments but you don't have to get to the essence get out of the essence of who you are because you do know you do know when you're unkind in a room you do know when you're not nice you do know when you're sick on people you do know when you do those things that shouldn't that you have to do sometimes to get you places but they're not necessary because time heals and time allows you to stand and be counted and look back and say i didn't have to do anything to hurt or disparage mm. or lack so i could be at the head of that room or i could be at the head of the queue mm. all those things could happen in their own time just by being you and the three c's that i also uh, sort of i thank god that i think this happened to me earlier on constant consistent content be mm. constant in who you are be constant in the values and the principles that you hold dear to yourself be consistent in how you project those values in who you are in your content in your episodes in in how you speak to people be consistent consistent about that and have content the value that you bring on the table the value that you place on the table that's the content that's what people should remember you for and not the pluses and the subtractions that you have to get from people you don't have to subtract from people and you don't have to add to yourself for people to see the value in who you are So I wish somebody told me that. Jeez. Like, now you've told all of the guys. No, okay. Say. Shout out to everyone who had to hear that, man. Yeah. yeah. Powerful. Amazing, amazing. Powerful. One, last one last question. Yeah. One last question because uh-huh. he forgot to ask the last question. Yeah, the, the one thing, yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. the one thing. Yeah. Um, first of all, Anto, of course, um, I don't need to say what he has said. Uh, yeah. We do not like to put ourselves in yes. Kenya. If you're watching <laughs> yes. this from South Africa, we say it once. Yeah. <laughs> Um <laughs> you've been incredible man like thank you so geez. much jeez um, make the reels i can't wait i can't the reels are going to be <laughs> mad over here um, <laughs> um last question a piece of content a book a movie something that you've experienced that you'd like someone to experience would you give us that recommendation 
um, so we can be able to carry that forward to our audience. There's a there's a book that I read when I was quite younger. I was I was made to read this book by she's called Alison Giboine. She's a filmmaker. She's I think she's not the Kenya Tourism Fund. She was one of my first bosses. And there's two books. One on my first bosses. She's called Mudoni Gallant. She's a book called Tracking the Scent of My Mother. I think for every and I have a very close relationship with my mom. But I think for a lot of people who have always felt that they've sort of lacked a sort of understanding of who they are and their roots and what their purpose is. I think that's a very powerful book. It's called Tracking the Scent of My Mother by Madoni Garland. The other book is Who Moved My Who Moved Is It My Cheese? Who Moved the Cheese or Who Moved My Cheese? By Who Moved My Cheese. Um, I was made with that book by Alison Giboine. It's a very powerful book. Because a lot of times we always ask who moved my cheese. Mm. And the cheese was probably right there all along. There's people who come and they move the cheese. There's people who come and store cheese and they just look at it there. There's people who come and utilize the cheese. And it's a book about mice. And the mice, mm. the mouse is basically asking who moved my cheese. Mm. And a lot of times in life, especially when you come from a background that I come from, we always look at life very passively or pessimistically. Like, you know, am I really meant to be in this room? You know, am I enough? You know, what kind of person am I? Who do I need to be able to make it? But go read Who Moved My Cheese. You look, sort of understand what kind of a mouse you are mm-hmm. and why you probably just never moved your cheese. You just sat there and your cheese was moved for you. And those are opportunities or those are your goals. Who Moved My Cheese is literally, I think, a 32-page book. Wow, but it's wow. one of the most mm-hmm. read books in the world and one of the most important pieces of information you really want to read. I think it's important. And I think even a book like 1984 by George Orwell, we also have to have purpose in, in the way we move and everything that we move, whether it's from a political point of view or whether it's from a purpose point of view. It's very important that you read certain books like that. Mm. They're quite important. Almari mm. um, When I Want by Nkugiwa Thiongo, mm. uh, you know, the importance of choices and liberation mm. and... Um, and again, and, and the need to have purpose in your community. Mm. I think that's very important, even as you read about the person. But Almari, when I want, is, mm. is quite a prolific book that you need to read. Um, when I was younger, my dad made me read this book called uh, Barin Motieno. It allows you to understand the intricacies of different cultures. You know, having a Kikuyu lady having to, to bury her husband, Motieno, yeah. yeah. and the conflicts. Of, of those cultures and how they collide Being and what caught. that means from the judicial point of view, from the cultural point of view and societal point of view and how we view women and how we view men and just even the understanding of dead bodies <clears throat> and how we view that over life and matter. So, I mean, those, to be honest, the way that I speak now, this is and have always been. I've just been a product of all these moments and scenarios that have allowed me to be a bit different from how I would have been if life took a different path. Mm. So there's that. And I mean, from a movie standpoint, I'm, I'm not the movie aficionado. Though it's funny, I've been in, in film and all those things. But uh, this will sound very, very, very strange right now. <laughs> mm. But go watch Sarafina, please. <laughs> <laughs> I know just like, joking? A, like a bitch in this South African <laughs> horse. Mm. But go watch Sarafina after understanding what happened. On 16th of June, 1970. Did you watch it again? Mm. Yes. I haven't watched it again. I had to. It, it mm. changed everything that I... Yeah. Mm. And I couldn't get it on, on, on that. I don't want to beat them up. I couldn't get it on the, on, the, on the streaming service. So I had to go get someone on the Flash and download it for me and play it on my TV. Because like, nope. 
I really think I need to understand what Sarafina is really all about now. Yeah, yeah, deep, quite deep, yeah. yeah I haven't rewatched Sarafina, yeah, but I definitely do yeah, that tonight. Yeah, yeah. 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 given us like, and, and yeah. dive and watch man talk. Yeah. It's a thing that I always do every time I'm interviewed by people. A lot of time people don't like to toot their horns, so I think what you guys are doing is quite is not impressive. I think the word is, and you've seen me do this before, yeah. where maybe people feel like. Maybe people feel like Jesus is about to say something bad. Yeah. <laughs> Just give it to the waiter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not impressive. I think it is very impressionable. And think about impression impressive might be personal to you. I don't know. Maybe you guys want to impress yourself. That's your own problem. But impressionable is quite big because there's people who have to watch you and tell themselves, that's the man I want to be. So this isn't about you anymore. And I think when you realize that your purpose is bigger than the and I don't want to be lewd, that is bigger than the organs that you carry because by on by by mere fact that you were born that becomes your gender but the m- way you move and the way that you carry yourself and the things that you stand for that's what it means to be a man it's way bigger than i am m on my birth certificate or on my id so being able to carry the mantle and show people that it's not that this is the way but we think this should be our journey so I, for that i applaud you and i think you should, you deserve your honors mm. and your um and your carnations people like say roses well, yeah, there we go but here at we will like being expensive <laughs> you, you like, may have noticed you will ever meet carnations and lilies you <laughs> right. take all of them oh, thank you yeah. right. no, that really yeah. is about you left yeah. impression here as well so thank yeah. you for coming in thank you thank you thank yeah. you Yeah. And watch the album and uh yeah get the album do yeah. all that yeah yeah, yeah please yeah. subscribe like share all that good stuff all that good stuff and we'll see you next week for another episode <laughs>